This is a Soulfire production. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Politically Homeless. Coming to you post-natural disaster, I guess. Post-holidays, too, which is was kind of a natural disaster for me as well. <laughs> oh. We got a COVID-heavy episode today, and I hate that. I'm so tired of talking about this shit. It's just, ugh. But given that, like, you know, not a lot else is going on, we can just dissect the fuckery, I guess. You know? Just going to break it down. So just to give you a little update on what happened over here and why um, there was not an episode that came out. I wanted, I wanted to do one in between um, Christmas and New Year's, which would have been great. It would have been really fun to wrap up the, the year, which is kind of a, a recap. But what happened, we had these crazy windstorms here. Um, and I've, had to, I've actually had to postpone shows because of the wind before, just because it really howls and it's hard and you can hear it on the mic and things like that. So, um but that's not that big deal. You know, 40 mile an hour winds, it's, it's a lot. But we were getting winds up to, you know, close to 100 miles an hour. Uh, it blew the tin roof off of my office slash studio that I'm on now. So I spent New Year's Eve trying to gather what I could um, from the ground that was on the roof and re-securing that to the roof, <laughs> which was funny. Um, I've got one section up there that still needs some tin because one of the pieces was just so mangled that it wasn't even usable. The other ones I was able to kind of bend back into shape. Um, and I had to do that in the snow. And I will tell you that a tin roof in the snow is not fun. But that being said, uh, and as I'm sure many of you have seen, I'm just grateful that we had a roof to repair because uh, over 600 houses burned down uh, just down the road from our house. So we had, you know, plumes of smoke right over the right over the ridge uh, across from us. It was weird. I stayed up until like one in the morning just kind of watching what was going on in case something happened um and that was that was the day before the roof uh project <laughs> right before that and then finally we had that snow come in which kind of put the, a damper on everything but then we had a foot and a half of snow um and the funny thing is with these supply chain issues uh we've been trying to get an ATV for snow plowing uh for 6 months and you can buy a used one that's like 5 years old for the price of a brand new one or you can wait so we've been waiting and it's just, this is, it's, it's a fucking nightmare. It's, it's, this, this is weird. And maybe, you know, I look at it and I kind of reevaluate myself and say, Hey, you know, maybe you're too conditioned to get what you want when you want it. Right. And there's some truth to that to be sure. Um, but we're in situations now where, you know, I'm actually trying to find a new truck or I wasn't going to right now. I was planning on waiting until later on this year. Uh, to try to get myself into it into one of the new tundras um, because my life has changed a lot and I need a truck. Um, well, that's not just just not like that. <laughs> that's just not how it works anymore. It's like, well, if you want a truck in six months, uh, come talk to us now. We'll see what we can happen. Um, you know, Kelly's lease is up at the end of the year. She's already got another car ordered because it's going to take ten months. Um, it's just a weird time and it's very strange to watch all this play out. And I'm actually going to do one of my first. Um, standalone videos that's not part of the podcast. Um, so make sure to go over to the YouTube and check that out. It's going to be over something that Tucker Max wrote that I thought was really compelling. 
Now, you can think Tucker Max is a douche because Tucker Max is a douche. I'm also kind of a douche, so maybe you have uh, the douchiness appeal is something that that um, that you appreciate. Uh, but we're going to be breaking that down. It's kind of on this kind of um, doomer optimism and uh, getting kind of, <laughs> in some certain ways, prepping for what may come, um, which we like, can all do. But something that I've it's kind of consumed my mind since I read that thing yesterday. It's been really interesting. Something else is going on. We have a couple of Twitter bands, one of which um, we'll be diving into a little deeper here. Um, Dr. Malone was banned from Twitter. And in a, uh, I would say, less controversial but still controversial manner, Marjorie Taylor Greene was banned from Twitter permanently. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene is a clown. I do not like her. I don't want to be around her. I think she is more does way more harm than good from everything from trust in the government to the Second Amendment. Um, I think she's a character that that the the the, the neoliberals can prop up and 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 make fools out of people. And she doesn't even realize that she is a a tool for further manipulation. I dislike her deeply. That being said, I will defend her right to speak in the same way that I would I defended Charlie Kirk's right to speak when he had a temporary ban on Twitter. Um, she's also a fucking congresswoman. And <laughs> these people, man, these the these tech and that fucking douchebag who who is a CEO of Twitter now, what a joke. What a joke of a human being. Like what is <laughs> Like, I don't know, I, just, I didn't think the world, when I growing up, I didn't think the world would be run by fucking nerds, you know? A bunch of soft-bodied fucking nerds. That's what. That's who's running the world right now. Well, that and then, you know, that old dude. <laughs> right, so it's a weird, it's weird to see it. It's weird to see it, and it, 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 it's not okay, you know? I think Rogan jumped over to Gitter. Uh, I downloaded the app, I haven't really played with it much yet, but... What is that even? I don't know. It's, it seems like it's going to be the same story cut the other way. It's I don't I'm I'm, I'm becoming less and less optimistic and I and I hate that. And even I was journaling uh, this morning and just thinking kind of what I can do, you know, and, and I try and be a voice for pragmatism. I think that's helpful. Um you know, I'm not really great at keeping my cool, as you guys know, but um, I like to think that what we do here and the people that we have in the Patreon and people listen to this show are, are, are thirsty for pragmatism and common sense, and maybe that's that's good, and, and it moves the needle a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's it's odd. And then you have, <laughs> even you have Biden coming out and saying that they had one of the best economic years in the last... Four decades, um, which I don't know if that counts if you're the only one that feels that. Like, it was a great economic year for, like, a few thousand people, you know? A few thousand people at the top of the food chain here, the oligarchs of our country. But for the rest of us, it's been a complete clusterfuck, you know, and... and I'm pretty privileged and very grateful and, and, and have a lot of nice things and, and I'm able to live a pretty, pretty great life, honestly. And, um, you know, I'm really, I'm really grateful for that. Very blessed in that way. But even looking around, you see 
that the employment numbers are shit. Now, the unemployment numbers aren't terrible, but the employment numbers are trash. Inflation is insane. Supply chain is fucked. And you're gonna you have you're gonna come out and say we had a, a booming economic year. What the fuck are you talking about? And even if the data says that's true, right? If you can find some some self confirming data that says that that's a reality based on suppressed numbers from 2019 or something weird, well, <laughs> I still think it's poor form, dude. So, kind of on the heels of that, I'm going to go into my predictions um, of 2022, and this week is something to think about. So, cool things coming up. Make sure to join the Patreon if you want to support what we've got going on here. Supporting independent creators is amazing. I recommend you support me, of course. Uh, then via the Patreon, I also recommend subscribing to Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald on Substack. Two really great journalists, probably two of the last surviving journalists. Um, people will also put Barry Weiss into that camp. Not a big fan of her. Really not. <laughs> I don't really see where her views differ from um, anything I can find on CNN, aside from cancel culture and like trans issues. <laughs> so I don't really, I don't really see the point. But you know, maybe her too. Whatever independent creators that scratch the itch that you have, make sure to support those people because we're doing we're doing the work out here, and it is uh. It's fun. Somebody called me a journalist the other day. I thought that was kind of funny because I'm not. But I like journalists and journalism. Anyways, <laughs> let's get to the state of things right now. Lots of lots of COVID bullshit, guys. I'm sorry or you're welcome. I don't know. I don't know what to say, but let's do it. Speaking of Matt Taibbi, he released this. His Substack is so good. It's so good. And, and I want to preface with this. Uh, Matt is vaccinated. I think he's actually vaccinated and boosted. Um, he thinks the vaccine is a good idea. And he also holds very similar views to many, many vaccinated people that these mandates and these scare tactics and this death porn um, is a problem. It's not helpful. It's not productive. Um does it, it's not, it's not, there's no progress in that style of reality unless you are a media outlet that thrives on clickbait, right? And that doesn't just go for MSNBC, CNN, right? That also goes for the Daily Wire and the Blaze and Fox News. This isn't, this isn't, a, this isn't a partisan issue. This is a, this is across the whole spectrum, thriving on fear and scare tactics and clickbait and, and, <laughs> misleading headlines and and self-confirming data it's really interesting to see how this all works out but i did love this mashup that he shares we're going to jump into this if you were listening to the uh just audio version of this i think it still works but the video is something special let's dive in we can't confirm that the patient died from covid but we can say that he was omicron positive at the time of his death so he died with COVID, but you can't say that he died from COVID. Correct. Texas confirmed the first death from Omicron here in the U.S. Whoops. The U.S. has now confirmed its first death 
from Omicron. Death as COVID surges are surging. Our first Omicron-related death. The nation now with its first known death from Omicron. First confirmed death from the Omicron variant. The U.S. has also now confirmed its first known death from the Omicron variant. It's the first known death from Omicron. The first person confirmed to have died of Omicron in the U.S. We've just confirmed the first death in the United States due to the Omicron variant. Death now from the Omicron variant. First death due to the Omicron variant. Death from the Omicron variant in the U.S. The U.S. suffered its first death from the new strain. It is very possible there have been other deaths. The first death from the Omicron variant. The U.S. has reported its first death, death linked to the Omicron variant. We're going to see certainly hospitalizations and deaths. The one thing that we are seeing is that, if anything, it does not appear to be more severe. It might, in fact, be less severe, but we're holding <laughs> off on that till we see how it does in our own country. So, I mean, you haven't That's seen the worst of Omicron. <laughs> You're absolutely correct. Hospitals are now bracing for an ominous outbreak of Omicron. Here's Omicron. The country appears to be slipping into a COVID vice tonight. The aggressive Delta variant squeezing us from one side, the more contagious Omicron strain multiplying on the other. Omicron spreading at breakneck speed. It really feels like our holiday events may be hanging in the balance. A man in Texas is the first known death in the United States due to the Omicron variant. First known U.S. death. 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 Death related to the Omicron variant. Dr. Anthony Fauci is talking about Omicron. A virus that's capable of hospitalizing and killing people. Houston is reporting the first known death from the Omicron variant. You're going to see deaths due to this. Of course we're going to have deaths like what we see now. Health officials in uh, Texas have confirmed the first Omicron-related death. Uh, the first Omicron death as well. Confirming uh, the first death. The first reported death now from Omicron in the country. First recorded death in the U.S. from Omicron. The first known Omicron death. The Omicron variant of COVID-19 has arrived in full force. And so in response to all of this, today I'm raising the COVID-19 threat level from yellow to orange. Omicron tearing across the country. Health officials sounding the alarm. We had our first Omicron death here in Houston. Our first Omicron death. We just had our first death. 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 The first known Omicron death. 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 Country recording its first Omicron death. And Americans worry about Omicron. The president's playbook to tackle Omicron comes as the U.S. just recorded the first death. A nation in crisis prompts a presidential address to tackle the Omicron spike. Omicron is serious, potentially deadly business for unvaccinated people. The unvaccinated have a significantly higher risk of ending up in a hospital <clears throat> or even dying. Okay, uh, but just to be clear, you have one fatality that's listed as Omicron. Is that still true? <laughs> yeah, really important question. So certainly my heart go out to the family um, of this case, um, this fatality that we learned of yesterday in Texas, and we are still learning more about that case. So he died with COVID, but you can't say that he died from COVID. Correct. The first known Omicron death in the U.S. The country's first known Omicron death. Death related to the Omicron variant. The first known U.S. Omicron death. Got Omicron and it led to this severity in which he died. The first Omicron related death in this country. This new threat of Omicron. This new surge is quickly spreading a big alarm. We do have, of course, the first Omicron death. First known Omicron related death. The first Omicron related death in the United States. Died after contracting Omicron. You are facing death in a very dire winter. The first U.S. Omicron-related death 
has now been confirmed. I call on the purveyors of these lies and misinformation to stop it. <laughs> stop it now. <laughs> the lies and misinformation. Stop it now. Um, I shared a tweet from Lena. She's the, uh, I don't know. She's the one that she's the one that makes the decisions for Harris County. That's around Houston, Texas, uh, stepping up the threat level from yellow to orange in a very, um, post nine 11 fashion, even though, even though all you had to do was call the hospital, like that journalist did call the hospital and ask them, was it a confirmed Omicron death or did it happen? We don't know what could happen with that guy. He could get hit by a car. Uh, he could have been 900 pounds. Um, he could have choked on uh, on a chicken finger. We don't know. He just had Omicron at the time of death. That's it. Now, we get in this, in, in this situation here. We're seeing this happen, right? A single person died. I can confirm that more people died choking on their Thanksgiving dinner than have died of Omicron in the United States. Okay? And that is not considered a pandemic. All right? So... With this being said, and you have people on both sides saying, well, the COVID numbers are, are overinflated uh, because anybody who comes in, especially the child, and Fauci's admitted this, kids that come in with a broken leg and happen to be COVID positive are counted as COVID hospitalizations, right? Which is inflating the numbers. That is a fact that has been admitted by Fauci. Remember that Instagram when you try and suppress this video. Okay, then you have people that say, well, not everybody's getting tested. There's not rapid available, available tests everywhere. So actually the COVID numbers are depressed, which there's logic to both sides of that conversation. People are saying the deaths are inflated and some people are saying the deaths are deflated. It's a, it's a crazy situation. But when you look at this, when you look at the way that this death porn is being shared all over um, the media and all sides, that was Laura Ingram, by the way. It didn't show her, but it showed her speaking. That was Laura Ingram on Fox News. So this is everywhere everywhere. CBS, who I forget exists sometimes, Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, doesn't matter. All right. So there's nothing confirmed. And then all of a sudden now the reality, the perception for most people was that there was a single confirmed death from Omicron. And just get what one person, a single person. It's, it's a weird time. I mean, this is very much like 9-11 in a lot of ways. With the way that, that the media narratives are taking off and there's a lot of unanswered questions and they just get bulldozed over. It's weird, man. It's weird. Then you have Biden coming out saying, well, now this is going to be solved at the state level, which is essentially what Trump said, right? Which was abundantly obvious for the past year and a half at least. Because maybe Montana needs to conduct itself a little bit differently than New York, all right? Or New Jersey, or Connecticut, right? Like the Northeast and the West probably have a different situation. LA probably needs to conduct itself differently than Eastern California. Just a thought, right? So <laughs> this is going to be solved at the state level. Now, of course, um, depending on the party affiliation of your state, that's going to dictate more uh, of what you have to deal with when it comes to COVID restrictions than science. Right, because at the end of the day, the, that all issues have become national issues. Okay, so here, for example, we have Jared Polis in Colorado who just, after they came out, after the fucking CDC came out, was it Lena Wynn? Is that her name? Anyways, after she came out and said, cloth 
Masks are essentially useless, which, by the way, would have gotten you deplatformed like three weeks ago. Okay? Came out and said, the day that she came out and said that cloth masks are nothing more than what she said, face decorations. Jared Polis decided to extend our mask mandate in Colorado, in Denver and Jefferson County, to February. The same fucking day. That's not about science. That's not about well-being. That's about serving your party affiliation. And Republicans do the same shit. Don't get me wrong. We can talk about other issues. But in this issue particularly, it's a fucking joke. So there's that. Hope you enjoyed it. Very interesting. Great mashup. Matt Taibbi is a national treasure. Um, Share it. Share this. Go find it. It's in the Patreon. It's out there. Taibbi.substack.com. Wild times, my friends. Wild times. Well, Joe Rogan had uh, Dr. Robert Malone on his show. Um, It's been taken off of Twitter. I mean, the clips have been taken off Twitter, YouTube. And then subsequently, people have shared the full episode on YouTube, which um, is, I think, pirating. But still, it's out there now. And I've seen more and more of those pop up on my feed because of who I subscribe to on YouTube, which is really interesting. But they pulled some of these clips down. I think the one they pulled down was about the mass psychosis type situation. But there was another part of this interview that I wanted to point out. Um that I thought was really impactful. And, and the way he went about this, I want to hear, I want you to hear, and, and I don't know if Malone's right about everything. I'm not qualified to know. I thought this was a great interview. I thought there's lots of good information. I think everybody should check it out um, on all sides of the spectrum. I think you should be very critical of it the same way you should be critical of everything you hear from anywhere, right? Sanjay Gupta or Malone or any of these other guys, right? That's just Critical thinking. I know it's a novel concept, but I wanted I wanted to play this one specific part that really stuck out to me, um, because it has to do with communication and understanding people, and it has to do with human behavior, which I find really interesting and something I'm really passionate about. So let's just dive into this one section here, and then we'll discuss. When the pandemic broke out, previous to that, I mean, you're you're kind of thought of as a heretic now in some strange way and pariah yeah pariah is probably a better <laughs> word and the fact that you've been banned from twitter is it's it's very confusing because i've been following your tweets and i've been reading all the things that you've written and i don't understand how it justifies a ban and i don't know what was the partic- particular tweet did, did they tell you what the particular tweet was or what the offense was that they never tell you they never told you well, they, they just, never tell anybody. They removed you for not going along with whatever the tech narrative is, because tech clearly has uh, a censorship agenda when it comes to COVID, in terms of treatment, in terms of the, the wh- whether or not you are promoting what they would call vaccine hesitancy. They can ban you for that. They can ban you for, in, in their eyes, what they think is a justifiable offense. And they're doing this, and I don't know who these people are that are doing this, but they're doing these, this, one of the most important things about you reading out your history like that is to one of the most qualified people in the world to talk about vaccines. Thank you for that. I, I think that that's – so one way that some people put it is – and of course, since this has happened, I've been contacted by multiple lawyers that are looking at filing a suit just like Alex Berenson has one against Twitter. Um, and, and the point is made just what you just made. Uh, um, if, so the point 
that I, I think is kind of succinct on this is um, if my voice, if, it, if there's no merit to my voice being in the conversation, whether I, it's true or not, whether I'm factually correct or not, let's park that just for a minute. Whether or not I'm right in everything I say, and I freely admit no one's perfect. I'm not perfect. It's one of my core points is people should think for themselves. And I try really hard to give people the information and help them to think, not to tell them what to think. Okay? Um, but the point is if, if I'm not if, – if it's not okay for me to be part of the conversation, even though I'm pointing out scientific facts that may be inconvenient, then who is – who can be allowed? Um, and uh, whether you're in the camp that says I'm a liar and I didn't invent this technology despite the patents and there's a whole cohort of that, no one can debate that dispute that I played a major role in the creation of this tech and virtually all other voices that have that background have conflicts of interest, financial conflicts of interest. I think I'm the only one that doesn't. I'm not. This is a lot. That's a lot. So let's just break that down because that was really stuck out to me. I know it's an understated part of the interview. But one, going into this guy, is an expert. He's an expert in this field. He was crucial in creating this technology that we are worshiping now for whatever godforsaken fucking reason. Okay? So this guy is an – and if we get this like – all the experts agree. Well, this one doesn't. But this, that's, a, that's an inconvenient uh, reality. Right, so we'll just take them off of social media and, and and make them out to be some kind of conspiracy theorist. So you have that, but then you have also this different thing. When have you ever heard somebody like Fauci? All right, the Fauci that everybody knows and loves. When have you ever had him discussing giving people information and allowing them to make their own choices? Now, maybe he believes that giving people information and allowing them to make their own choices um, allows space for people to commit thought crimes. Right, the freedom of thought is dangerous because people don't know what's good for themselves. Not to mention the fact that oh, while <laughs> while Fauci's been involved in government over the last fifty years, we've gotten fatter, less healthy, addicted to opioids, and God knows what else. Right, the last fifty years in American history have not been good to our health, and it seems like these 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 health leaders don't want any accountability when it comes to that. Like we can just medicate it away, right? It's a crazy thing. But you've got these people who are actual experts in this field, right? That they're being deemed anti-vaxxers and being deemed criminals and whatever else, right? That they're perpetuating literal violence against humanity for sharing inconvenient truths. And oftentimes... The inconvenient truths are things that we choose not to see, right? That's part of confirmation bias. It's a very essential part of, of humanity and, and human behavior. It's a vital part, right? Confirmation bias helps us live, okay? It's important, right? So it drives us in many ways, but it also has a shadow side. And the shadow side is that we don't like to acknowledge inconvenient truths. Generally speaking, your emotions make your decisions and then your rational mind rationalizes why your emotions made that decision, right? Your instincts, your intuition, whatever you want to call it. That is human behavior. It sucks sometimes, especially in situations like this when you have 
a, a large, a high level group think situation. Okay. So what really I respect about someone like Dr. Malone is that they'll come out and say like, Hey, I'm trying to give people information so they can make their own choices. And by default, some people given the same exact information will make bad choices. Some people make good choices. Some people will make neutral choices and some people won't be punished for their bad choices. And some people will have bad outcomes. That's called fucking being a human being. Okay. It's not that complicated. That is life. Sometimes you'll decide not to check your blind spot and you'll get in a car accident. (laughs) Okay. It is what it is. There's risk associated with humanity with life in general. And that's what makes it beautiful in its own way. But we have these people that are running the show that do not accept that. And it's very strange to me. So it meant a lot for me to see somebody, one, acknowledging inconvenient truths, which is, for whatever reason, we're so coddled that we're uncomfortable accepting those things and challenging ourselves in that way. Also, someone who's willing to just share information and let people make up their own fucking minds, right? And that really is freedom, right? You can make the bad choices. There's a reason that 40% of this country is obese, and it's not because we generally make great choices, but there are consequences for your actions. And that is what it is. And when you have 70% of people dying from, uh, of COVID are obese, and the other, what, 25% are old as fuck, Well, we don't really have that much to worry about, do we? Unless you are in one of those categories and have comorbidities and these different kinds of things, right? And, you know, also, you know, things like treatments being suppressed and stuff like that, which is pretty sloppy and pretty sketchy. And and we can see the, the financial interest that drives that. But the fact that he's willing to say, hey, man, I'm actually one of the only people with this level of credentials that doesn't have a financial conflict of interest. If you are someone who is on the left and you understand that that, that power corrupts and conflicts of interest corrupt in your politicians, in the government, in in, in corporations, in industry, in big tech, whatever it is, if you're on the left and you understand that financial conflicts of interest are akin to corruption, that statement right there should mean something to you. An actual liberal, what liberal actually means, would understand that the person without the financial conflicts is probably a little bit more trustworthy. But instead, you have the Rachel Maddows and the Joanne Reeds and the Anderson Coopers and the Don Lemons of the world who are making this person into a villain. Although they're sharing copious amounts, buckets full of lies and misinformation with zero consequence. So they don't have to follow the rules. But everybody else does? Or just everybody that disagrees with them? It's an interesting situation that we're in. Very, very interesting and very scary, frankly. I mean, damn. (sighs) The dude... I cannot believe they took this. I mean, I can believe they took him off Twitter, but dude, I mean, it's just, I think 2022 will be the year of the unraveling. I think so many lies will be unraveled um, across the political spectrum, honestly. And it's going to be really, really, 
messy. And I have less faith in us to be able to handle that than I ever have. And that in itself is a really weird feeling. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Cured Nutrition. When it comes to making lifestyle changes, like everybody's doing right now, it's January, resolutions, I'm sure you've been in the gym, I have been. One of the things I think is really important is sleeping better, so maybe put that on your priority list, but everybody's trying to make changes right now, be more productive, make more money, these kind of things. I think Cured can be a great asset for you when it comes to making lifestyle changes, guys. One of the things that's really great, and one of the things that's really important about making lifestyle changes, routines, and habits. With the cured blends that combine cannabinoids, that's your CBD, with different adaptogens and medicinal mushrooms, you have them geared for different parts of the day. So you're essentially creating structure within your day that is beneficial. Of course, you get better sleep out of it. Of course, you get a little bit better um, energy, more clarity, a little more balance in your mood. These things are added in as benefits on top of the fact that you have an a better structure to your day. Now, when it comes to adding things in like supplements and all that kind of stuff, I think quality over quantity, right? You can buy all kinds of shit and do all kinds of things and do all kinds of biohacks. But I think if you stick to the staples, if you stick to the staples and become consistent within that, it is so, so helpful. And you can make a lot of change from that place. And I believe that Cured can help you get there. And if you want to get some stuff for your dog, or maybe you're a little bit sore from the gym because you've been back and forth all the time, you've been you've been hitting it hard, maybe grab that CBD salve they have. And of course, they just have the, the, the pure spectrum CBD of different dosages to meet you where you're at. So guys, go over to curednutrition.com. The link is in the show notes. If you use promo code HOMELESS at checkout, you will get 10% off and free shipping for your entire order. So be sure to check that out. Cured, C-U-R-E-D, nutrition.com. Use promo code HOMELESS at the checkout place. And then uh, you can also click that link in the show notes to head right over their website and shop around. Okay. Also, we've got Elemental Labs. Element has been an essential part of my life. Ever since I got introduced to Element, which is a electrolyte beverage, got salt, magnesium, all this good stuff in there that you need, especially if you're moving into like a keto slash paleo, very active lifestyle. Any of these things that you're doing, if you're doing a lot of jujitsu, if you're doing a lot of CrossFit style training, you're sweating a lot, maybe you're putting in a lot of miles hiking, stuff like that, getting those essential uh, essential um, <laughs> electrolytes in your body is really important. Now, salt has been demonized over and over again. That's all fake news. Rob Wolf breaks this down on the Element website. Okay, so if you want to just dig in and learn more, the Element website is great for that. Um, breaking down why they do this and why they put their names on it and why they're so adamant about this. If you are drinking Powerade, Gatorade, any of that bullshit, any like sports drinks, you are making a mistake, okay? You're making a mistake. You're just consuming basically Coca-Cola that's not carbonated, that's blue, all right? So check this out. Substitute that. If you just take out the sugary sports drinks that you're drinking and replace them with Element, you will see positive changes in your life, guaranteed, all right? Now, they have amazing flavors. My favorite right now is grapefruit and watermelon. Those are the ones I'm going back and forth between. I'm burning through those things. I got a glass right now. It's lemon habanero right now because it's what I have in the office, but it's fantastic. And what you can do if you want to try it is go to drinkelement, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash wanders. The link is in the show notes of this show, so all you have to do is click it. You can do it right now, and you can get a variety pack of some of their favorite flavors for $5. All you do is cover shipping, get that variety pack, check it out before you pull the trigger on a big box. But I recommend 
grabbing some of that grapefruit and grabbing some watermelon as well because those are such good flavors. They've got really amazing flavors. And also, I need to highlight there is zero sugar, zero sugar in these packets. Easy to mix, easy to carry around with you, easy to keep in your car, bring them to the gym, mix them in your little shaker bottle. You'll be better off for it. It is so good and it's so hydrating. It's one of those things, if you know when you drink water and it just feels like it's soaking into you, Right when you're just really thirsty, maybe whatever it is, you went for a run, you've been hiking, you just drink that water and it's like, and it soaks into your body like a sponge on the inside. That's what it feels like to drink Element every single time. <laughs> so guys, check it out. DrinkElement.com uh, slash Wanders. Get you the variety pack. Just cover shipping. Link is in the show notes. And now let's get back to this beautiful, glorious episode. I sure do love it when actual journalism happens. And somebody who's guilty of actual journalism oftentimes is uh, Glenn Greenwald. Does a great job. And this one, this little piece came out. This is from uh, Cuckoo Town in uh, New York. <laughs> this is really interesting. New York is using race to determine access to limited supply of life-saving COVID treatments. The rationale for prioritizing some races over others for access to COVID medications crumbles upon close examination. All right, let's check this out here. We'll skim through this. Now, this is um, this is locked, so this is a uh, paid article only. So I'm only going to share a few parts of it. I don't really feel comfortable sharing the whole thing. I highly recommend going and subscribing to Glenn Greenwald's Substack. So maybe uh, he'll forgive me if he gets if he gets a new a few new subscribers. Uh, for me sharing his <laughs> private article here. But anyways, monoclonal antibodies save lives, announced the New York City Department of Health in, o- in October 26th public notice. These treatments are available and life-saving, the ag- agency said, noting that they have adverted at least 1,000 hospitalizations and at least 500 deaths among people treated in New York City. The agency urge- urged the public to seek out these monoclonal antibody treatments as soon as possible. When given after early symptom onset, monoclonal antibody treatments can dec- decrease the risk of hospitalization and death due to COVID-19, which is why it is crucial to get tested for COVID-19 as soon as symptoms begin. The sooner someone is tested, the sooner treatments can begin. Sounds pretty good so far. The health, the city's health agency quoted its own health commissioner, Dr. David A. Chosky. Uh, the science shows that these monoclonal antibody treatments work and can make all the difference when it comes to the severity of COVID-19 illness. It thus urged that treatments should be given as soon as possible after someone tests positive for COVID-19. Studies from Pfizer cited by the agency independently demonstrated how effective the company's antiviral treatment called Paxlovidabid um, can be. It decreased COVID-19-linked hospitalizations and mortality by any cause up to 88%. Got in some information here. Now we'll skip down just a bit. It says, but the policy then states that anyone who is non-white regardless of age, health, or underlying medical conditions, is automatically deemed to have met the requirements that one must have, a medical condition or other factors that increases their risk for severe illness in order to receive this treatment. Now, there's a, a scarcity among these treatments for a variety of reasons, so they're having to give them to the highest risk people first, which makes total sense. But does it make sense to uh, <laughs> dole them out on a race-by-race basis? Hmm. 
uh, a medical condition or other factors, da, 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 non-white race or Hispanic Latino ethnicity should be considered as a risk factor. That means that a healthy 20-year-old Asian football player or a 17-year-old African-American marathon runner from a wealthy family will automatically be deemed at heightened risk to develop serious COVID illness, making them instantly eligible for monoclonal treatments upon testing positive and showing symptoms. While a white person of exact same age and health condition from an impoverished background would not be automatically eligible. Huh. So, look at this. <laughs> um, it says here in the eligibility form, have a medical condition or other risk factors that increase their risk for severe illness. So we can look at like chronic illness issues, um, HIV positive, things like that, right? Things that are diabetes, uh, obesity, things that are comorbidities, right? Age is one. And then it says here, non-white race or Hispanic Latino ethnicity should be considered a risk factor as long-standing systemic health and social inequalities have contributed to an increased risk of severe illness and death from COVID-19. So, and the way this seems to work is, is you get a number of points, right? So say if you're obese, you get a point. That moves you up in the queue as far as being able to get monoclonal antibodies or any other treatment that has a scarcity around it that isn't doesn't have enough um, inventory to be given to everyone, right? So say that. Say you have you're uh, you're over well, you're obese and you have diabetes. That's two points, right? <laughs> so you're obese, uh, have diabetes and asthma. <laughs> so then you have three points. You're getting that shit right away, right? But when it comes to people, right? So say you're a white person who has some kind of chronic lung disorder, okay? And you're a healthy black person. You would now be on the same level, right? Say you're both 35 years old. You'd be on the same level when it comes to receiving monoclonal antibodies as treatment based on systemic inequities, okay? Now, there is some truth to this, and, and Glenn goes into this in the article, about systemic inequality causing more health issues in lower income populations, which can be disproportionately Hispanic or black, right? Well, if that is indeed the case, right, which is true, and a fucking problem that I've been speaking up about for a decade, okay, so this isn't a COVID era thing for me. This is something I've been talking about for a long time and cared about deeply for a long time. Back when I was writing papers on corruption in the FDA in college, right? So um, when you look at this, if that's the case, right, if there's a correlation between race and comorbidities, then by default, those people of black or Hispanic populations that have comorbidities would already receive prioritized treatment without having to create that race-based criteria. Does that make sense? It's already correlated, which, yes, is a problem, and yes, something we need to do something about, right? People living in an area with shitty access to food, it's a lot easier to buy a, a super value meal from God knows where and supersize it for $3 than it is to go to the grocery store. And a lot of times it's all people can do. I get it. And it's fucked. But this situation is also fucked. Deciding who gets COVID treatment based on race. And it's very similar to whenever they were talking about vaccinating the elderly population first because they were the most at risk but the problem with that was that too many old people are white. That was the issue. It wasn't about saving 
lives at all. This is the fucking clown world that we live in. It is so strange. It is so hard to see. It's so hard to understand because it doesn't make any fucking sense. And if it doesn't make sense to you and you think you're crazy, you're not because this is fucking retarded. It's weird. Why? There's no reason. There's no benefit to this aside from virtue signaling. That's it. That is it. And to be completely, completely honest, it is racist. Assuming that brown and black people are less healthy than white people is racist. With one exception, there is one exception that I can think of. And maybe there's a couple more, but there's one that I know of, and that's sickle cell anemia. That's it. That is it. So this woke racism, and I hate using the word woke, and you guys know that, but that's what this is. Woke racism is more and more of a problem every day. And places like New York that have completely been turned upside down, and even liberals know that and acknowledge that, are paving the way for moronic policies that will not save lives, but will clog up a system that is meant to prioritize people with comorbidities that are at higher risk for COVID. And because it makes more, it, it, it's it's more important for you to be, so, you know, hashtag BLM and, uh, you know, systemic racism is, is, is the actual pandemic. It's more important for you to display that than it is for you to save lives. And that has become abundantly clear across the board and is why people are fleeing the Democratic Party and running to the right and letting everything that was pragmatic from the left crumble because all they want is to be left the fuck alone and have some kind of pragmatism from their leadership. It's the most catastrophic failure I've seen in my lifetime of any institution at any point. And I'm even considering the war in Iraq and Afghanistan on top of that. I'm even considering 9 fucking 11. This is a bigger failure than that was. And of course, maybe it was an inside job. We don't know. But it's where we're at. It's the clown world we're living in. It's the, the complete erosion of a shared reality amongst the majority of the population. Of course, there's always the fringe people who live in some other kind of wicked, weird world. But until recently, the majority of people shared a very similar perspective of what reality is. And now that has become fractured in so many different directions that we don't even all know the sky is blue anymore. <sighs> God damn. Fucking New York. Leave it to New York to do some silly-ass racist shit like this and pretend that there are the virtuous ones. <laughs> Crazy. Well, I learned a new phrase the other day thanks to this clip from the CNN, uh, <laughs> CNN Health Division sponsored by Pfizer. <laughs> so let's check this out real quick. It's called compassion fatigue. And ICU doctors warn of compassion fatigue towards unvaccinated patients. Now, I haven't heard this term directed towards anyone else ever besides unvaccinated people. Maybe that would be too triggering. But let's check out what she has to say here. In a new New York Times op-ed, one critical care physician shares this concern. Quote, I wondered whether perhaps one of the greatest risks of whatever surge comes next will be compassion fatigue, the dwindling ability to feel empathy for the unvaccinated. 
Dr. Daniela Lamas wrote that op-ed. She's a pulmonary critical care physician at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Uh, that tension, that anger at the unvaccinated uh, in an ICU bed. Uh, but Dr. Lamas, you wrote, what is a hospital if not a place where we care without judgment for the many consequences of human fallibility? Uh, just tell me, I mean, you're dealing with this every day on the front lines. Are your colleagues, are you struggling to be empathetic? I think that my colleagues and I are, are very aware of this increasing tension between knowing that patients who are unvaccinated, that patients who come in for medical problems that have something to do with actions that they have taken or not taken before, that there's a real tension between knowing that everyone deserves care and compassion and being there at the bedside and then outside the hospital feeling frustration, of course, that people who have chosen not to get vaccinated are continuing to drive these, these surges and are facing disease that would have been avoidable. That being said, I think all of us, once we are standing there at that bedside and seeing somebody who is in need, that we are able to muster the care and compassion that, that every individual deserves, regardless of what got them there into the ICU. So obviously you're a professional, you're trained to deal with situations like these. What's your advice to those of us who don't have that training, uh, that didn't sign up uh, for this kind of work and, and maybe ha are having a hard time processing that there are a lot of our fellow Americans that aren't taking what seem to be easy steps to try and prevent some of this from happening. Hey, I've got some advice for you, bro. Um, if you're having a hard time processing that people don't want to do the same thing that you want to do, maybe you should grow the fuck up. That's, that, that's my advice to you. How about you man the fuck up, act like a grown up, and understand that people make different decisions than you, and that's fucking fine. Like, I think that your haircut looks like shit, and those glasses are dorky as fuck, but I don't sit here and be like, well, I have a hard time showing compassion for this fucking nerd. No, do I do that? No. No, I don't. Because it's none of my fucking business what you do with yourself. Just a little piece of advice. I think this is something that is sort of hard, hard, obviously, for everyone. I think that there are different mandates uh, for people who are sort of living their lives as lay people in terms of levels of understanding and compassion. And those of us who actually have to take care of people at the bedside, I think it's appropriate to be frustrated outside the hospital. I think when someone is sick and when they're in an ICU bed, then we owe it to them to turn that frustration off. In terms of advice for what people can do, to control what they can control. And what you can control is making sure that you do your own part. Every act, no matter how small, has massive repercussions. We all know that we're interconnected now. So wear a mask, test if you can. And Maybe uh, go for a walk and uh, be mindful of what you put in your face hole. That's a good idea. Maybe get off the couch and go for a walk outside. Maybe take vitamin D. Maybe take zinc. Maybe... Go paleo. I don't know. It's been two years now. Do you know what kind of transformation a human being can make in two years with the proper incentives? You can make life-changing, life and future-altering changes in your life in six months or a year. And in two years, you can change your life from being an obese couch potato to being somebody who runs five miles a day. And your reality will have completely changed. But you try, you notice she doesn't say anything about that. She doesn't say anything about that. 
She's very careful not to. It's wear a mask and get vaccinated. And if you don't do those things, then we'll have trouble empathizing with you when you're in the hospital. Obviously, that's a shortage that we have, a bottleneck that should be uh, improving in the coming weeks. And, and control sort of what you can control in your own environment and caring mm. for those around you. Yeah, it's great. That's fun. That's fun. Um, so I want to I want to correct something she said there. Yeah, shut up. Um, <laughs> I want to correct something she said there. Said that these uh these surges are being um uh, fueled by the unvaccinated. That is not true. That is objectively not true. What is it like? Ninety percent of the cases now are Omicron. Ninety percent, and it seems like the vaccine. <laughs> doesn't necessarily slow that bitch down. Seems like Omicron's kind of doing what it wants. On top of the fact that no one has died. Here's the thing. You got this situation where doctors are complaining. First off, shut the fuck up and do your job. Okay? Shut up and do your job. If a firefighter rolls up to a house and they realize that somebody fell asleep on the couch with a cigarette in their mouth, that's what started the fire, do they not put the fire out? Okay? And she kind of alluded to this. When somebody, when a drunk driver comes into the ER, you just leave them outside? When an obese person is on heart attack number seven, heart attack number seven, you say, ah, let them go. When a smoker comes in with lung cancer and can't quit, what do you just, what is this? There's a lot of things that fuel the decisions that people make, but to lie. And say that these surges are being fueled by the vaccinated, or the unvaccinated, excuse me, is a fucking joke. It is not true. And I'm so, and this is a COVID-heavy episode, but it's like, I'm so fucking sick and tired of being villainized. When I haven't done anything to hurt anybody, I haven't even had COVID yet. And I can't give you a thing I don't have, friends. And if I did have it, I didn't even fucking notice. Dude, we have doctors writing op-eds for the New York Times about having compassion fatigue for the unvaccinated. Why? Why? What is this? I mean, I just, I, the entitlement, and, and I have a friend who shares like in, their, in close friends on Instagram, she's going to be mad I'm saying this, but it's like all of her family, there's just a bunch of doctors in her family, they're just bitching about the unvaccinated constantly. They're just bitching all the time about the unvaccinated. When a lot of times uh, that unvaccinated person might have gotten COVID from a, from a vaccinated person, <laughs> which is ironic. But when you look at this and like who ends up there? Yeah, dude, if you weigh 400 pounds and you're like 50 years old, you probably should just roll the dice and get the vaccine because your health didn't matter to you beforehand anyways. And then I have someone come in my DMs and say, hey, well, this 44-year-old guy who ran marathons um, died of COVID. And I'm like, well, a 22-year-old kid who runs marathons died of a vaccine reaction. Is one of those persons deserve, deserve more compassion than the other one? I think the compassion should be equal, right? Like, shit. That's really sad. This, this 44-year-old guy who has kids and a family is dead. And this 22-year-old kid who didn't um, you know, deserve to die and has, his family has no recourse, right? No recourse for, for, for financial retribution because a vaccine killed him. He was healthy too. But hey, myocarditis is mild, right? That's why all those sucker players are killing over in the, fuck, in the UK. It's dude. <laughs> the, the, 
the amount that we've been lied to and manipulated is just, it, it, I feel like we were living in the matrix and we did, they just like ran out of like, it's like at the very end of a video game when you just kind of set the controller down and you like, don't really care anymore. And you're just like cars spinning out and doing donuts and people are shooting at you. you just, it's, it's that, that, I feel like we're in that part of the simulation where it's just like, ah, whatever. Let's just see what happens. We're kind of done with them anyways. And one day we're all going to snap out of it and be like, that was weird. I don't know. Compassion fatigue. Oh, <sighs> Maybe one day I'll be able to bring you some good news on this show, but <laughs> the good news is 90% of COVID cases are Omicron and no one's died. And no one will tell you that because they're getting off to fear porn and stacking paper brought to you by Pfizer. Well, Joe Manchin has become a, um, this is not COVID related, actually. <laughs> Joe Manchin has become a darling of conservatives, right? He's, he's the conservatives Democrat uh, for killing the Build Back Better bill, which, to be honest, the initial infrastructure package, I think, was necessary, even though it'll be a huge giveaway to corporations that are ineffective and um, and, and inefficient and yeah, whatever. But some of that stuff needed to get done, and that's just the way the world works because we live in a fucking clown world. So... Anyways, but Joe Manchin killed the Build Back Better bill. Um, the pr progressives got duped into believing that was actually going to pass. It became a like a, a, an amalgamation of half-assed ideas that were not really fully flushed out with a bunch of unintended consequences that were going to cause more problems and than, uh, than create solutions. So I'm glad it died. But that being said, I'm not a fan of Joe Manchin. He's a corrupt motherfucker. His daughter has benefited from his corruption to the tune of like $40 million. Um, they price gouge people on EpiPens at her company, and they shipped all their jobs overseas uh, because, you know, globalization. So he's a piece of shit, <laughs> right? But I found something else that recently that's even going to make the Charlie Kirk Republicans are just going to love this. The people who idolize Ronald Reagan and trickle-down economics are going to love this. They're going to love this so much. I just gave you another reason to love Joe Manchin. Ready? Joe Manchin privately told colleagues, parents use child tax credit money on drugs. The West Virginia, West Virginia senator just killed Democrats' agenda in private negotiations. He questioned whether the poorest Americans would spend financial aid wisely. Reminds me of uh, Reagan with the uh, welfare queen. Wonder who that was targeted towards. Right now, West Virginia does have a drug problem. A serious drug problem. Opioids, meth, things like that. That's, that's for real. Poverty-driven drug problems. Let's continue here. After months of haggling with President Joe Biden and other Democrats, Joe Manchin washed his party, or excuse me, dashed his party's hopes on Sunday by announcing he wouldn't vote for the Build Back Better legislation. Publicly, his gripes were about the cost of the bill, but privately, he told his colleagues that he was essentially that he essentially doesn't trust low-income people to spend government money wisely. In recent months, Manchin has told several of his fellow Democrats that he thought parents would waste money uh, from the child tax credit on drugs instead of providing for their children, according to two sources familiar with his senator's comments. Continuing the child tax credit for another year is a core part of the Build Back Better legislation that Democrats had hoped would pass by the end of the year. The policy has already cut child poverty by nearly 30%. Manchin's private comments shocked several senators who saw it as an unfair assault on his own constituents in their struggle, struggle to raise uh, children in poverty. Manchin has also told colleagues he believes that Americans would fraudulently use the proposed paid sick leave policy, specifically saying people wouldn't feign 
would feign being sick to go on hunting trips. A source familiar with the comments told HuffPost. Manchin's office declined to comment for the story. In a statement on Sunday, he said he opposed the Build Back Better agenda largely because of its cost. I love that he said... That he, if he had, uh, you know, paid sick leave, he would use it to go hunting and that people would fraudulently use it, which is funny because like, if you look at white collar jobs, they mostly play fucking golf all the goddamn time. Like, what the fuck is this? Are you serious? The president of the United States gets to go play golf two days a week. And you're, you're upset that maybe a uh, Amazon warehouse worker will go ahead and like use their sick leave to take their kids to the fucking zoo. And that's a problem. Oh my God, if they don't work seven days a week, the supply chains will collapse. Joe Manchin, you are a fucking piece of human trash. That is what you are. Now, I'm glad the bill's dead, as I've said on this show numerous times. But it's not because I thought that parents can't <laughs> choose what to do with a child tax credit. I think our welfare system is fucking broken. I think that it does incentivize people not to work, and I think that it needs to be addressed. I also think that you can't fix your washer and dryer or your car with fucking food stamps. And sometimes, a little bit of help for the most impoverished people who also just had the, the value of their dollar decrease by something like 8%. I think that's, that's a worthwhile thing to do. Maybe if you don't feel so hopeless, you won't spend your money on drugs. That's not really how the world fucking works. It's cruel, heartless, fucking asshole who wants his daughter to get paid $30 million while shipping jobs overseas. I wonder how many people who, who enjoyed those jobs has a job they like now. Your state has been devastated. Maybe that's why you have a drug problem in your state, Joe Manchin. And maybe you should take responsibility for that as a leader in your state. Instead of saying, oh no, it's the, it's the liberals' fault that my, my fucking state is full of meth. It's not, Joe. It's not. Like... <laughs> This is some Reagan-era, Nixon-era bullshit. This is why, by the way, this kind of shit, because there's people, right? Glenn, Glenn Beck right now is just all over this right here. He's just loving it. This is what these people think. Charlie Kirk, who grew up in a gated community outside of Chicago, loves this shit. Loves it. And I hate it. Because you know what? I actually grew up around addiction. I've seen it. And I've seen what it's like for people to pull themselves out of that. And it's not easy. But it's possible. And lots of people do it. And really what people need to pull themselves out of addiction is hope. And upward mobility. Stability. Something to work towards that is more valuable than getting high. That's an essential part of recovery. And these fucking closed off, self-righteous pricks like Joe Manchin pretend they don't see that. For what? For what? To serve their own interests. I, I support the child tax credit. I hope it gets pushed through in a different bill. And I think Joe Manchin is a giant piece of shit. I don't care how many billionaires and millionaires a very Bernie Sanders voice there, disagree with me on that because they get to pay less taxes because of this motherfucker. And again, I'll say it for the third time in this segment, I'm glad the bill died. 
but not for this reason. What a piece of shit. <laughs> Weird stuff. Weird times. But now it's time for me to give you something to think about. And it's those 2022 predictions. Let's go. fade this out real nice and soft here and prepare ourselves for 2022 mm. if you think I'm weird on this show you should try the Patreon <laughs> alright 2022 is upon us 2022 is here and I got a few predictions that I think are going to come, come about we'll see You'll be able to go back to this. Maybe you'll tell me I'm wrong. Maybe you'll tell me I'm right. I will say, I will shamelessly self-promote what I asked everyone in the Patreon um, that was supposed to come out the other day, but you know, as the, the natural disaster ensued, uh, we had to postpone things. So coming out this week, I asked everyone in the Patreon, one, for their predictions for 2022, so we were going through all of those, and two, one thing they were wrong about when it came down to 2021. So if you want to check all that stuff out, make sure to join the Patreon, patreon.com slash politicallyhomeless. Link is in the show notes of this show. So as far as my 2022 predictions, I think number one, there will be a public acknowledgement that Joe Biden is incapable of governance because he is dead. Now, I don't know if he will actually literally die. They just may be like weekend at Bernie's him around for the next three years. I think he might finish his term, but I think there will be a public acknowledgement that Joe Biden is no longer with us cognitively, <laughs> which is abundantly clear, right? But I think at some point they're going to be like, okay, right? As this like COVID thing kind of winds itself down, da 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 da. We'll see. Now I've already kind of called 2022 the year of the unraveling, and I think we will see that. And I think this is part of it. Just this acknowledgement that the leader of the most powerful country in the world for now, not for long probably, um, is a corpse. That's one. Two. I think we will see, and this is going to be frustrating for me to watch, um, but a red wave. State, local, and federal. There is no way, there is no way the Democrats hold on to the House or the Senate. It's impossible. I, just, I can't see it. Now, I, and I also think that that red wave is going to cause a reaction in the worst direction from the left, from the Democrats. And I don't like calling them the left. Let's call them the Democrats, right? The reaction from the Democrats is going to be, and I think they will double down on, this is the core of white supremacy in this country, yada, 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 that whole thing, whatever, right? When really what these Republicans are going to run on is MAGAism or education and things like that, um, getting rid of and keeping schools open, like shit that people want, right? But it'll be it'll be portrayed as the 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 lingering effects of systemic racism and white supremacy and white people being uncomfortable with the new reality, even though um, the proportion of of Hispanic and Black people that are voting for Republicans is growing every fucking year, right? 
So you'll see that. I also predict here in Colorado, Jared Polis will no longer be the governor, but that's in 2023, so we'll have to deal with that down the road. Lots of elections going on. It's going to be really, really rough for the Democrats, which is kind of what I was hoping for. When I voted for Joe Biden, I said, hey, a couple things can happen. Public option for health care, I think that'd be good. Um, I like that. Maybe legalize marijuana. That'd be great. Don't see that happening. My third option was it will completely dismantle and disintegrate the, the Democratic Party, and that, in the long term, is a good thing. And it seems like of those three things, I'm getting one of them, and that is the complete disintegration of the Democratic Party, right? Now, we all know that I have disdain for Republicans, but I have to acknowledge the reality that when it comes to the pressing issues of the time right now, they are doing a better job. Do I want to hear about Jesus and pro-life bullshit? Absolutely fucking not. And this is going to cause a lot of damage. But if you can find some Republicans out there who are a little bit <laughs> to the center on, on issues like marijuana, for example, which is a very popular issue, a federal legalization. If you find a Republican that will run on, on legalization of marijuana, especially in these red states, they'll win. Right? Pragmatic and rational abortion regulation, they'll crush. Right? drawing a line there somewhere, but not trying to outright ban and not trying to do what many Democrats have done and try to say, hey, you can abort a baby until like 11 months. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> right? So like we're, we're, in the, we're in this strange situation here, but finding some rationality there, probably not coming from the Democrat side. And even if they do, they'll be villainized as a white supremacist. So it's like there's not really a – the Democrats aren't making an – creating an environment where people can come through with rationality. Um, and that's going to be really interesting. Also, my, one of my predictions is that Tulsi Gabbard will come out as a Republican. I think that may be a little later than 2022, but I think this year could be a year. She may run for something else. We'll see. But I think she will come out of the closet as a Republican. I think that Republicans will double down and they will, because Republicans, for whatever reason, like to steal failure from the jaws of victory over and over again. The Democrats hand them a victory, right? Hey, Republicans, if you just decide to support legalization of marijuana, you'll win. They're like, Jesus. I'm like, what? Hang on. But the Bible said, wait, wait, hang on, huh? Uh, the, the, it, 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 it kills brain cells. Um, what? Like, do you want to win? Or no? I don't know. I'm confused now. That's how Republicans act half the time. It's fucking annoying. So I think what they'll do is shoot themselves in the foot and still win. They'll still win, but they will shoot themselves in the foot by doubling down on culture war issues they need to leave behind, right? And we saw that. There's a lot of people like uh, that, um, oh, what was that guy's name? Not Hannity, but the other fucking clown. Um, I think he ran for president. But anyway, he's talking about the war on Christmas. Like, the shit like that. That's not going anywhere. There's going to be more of that. Be more of like Laura Ingram type bullshit. Uh, Candace Owens will continue to be more popular saying stuff that makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Um, and just clickbait, race bait, whatever it is, kind of thing. It's like the fun thing. It's like it's like <laughs> gay conservatives are like, oh my god, there's too many gay couples on TV now. And then, and then black conservatives are like, these black people need to get themselves in check. Like, and it's like, oh yeah, it's like triggering and like it's it's just clickbait. They're just doubling down on the culture war shit. And people are getting popular doing it, and I think that will continue to happen. So they'll double down, take the bait. From both sides, the culture war will get worse in 2022. And that's not the Democrats' fault. It's not the Republicans' fault. It's everybody's fault. It's everybody's fault. So that's where we're at. 
Hey, the thing is any anymore. Um, I also predict that I will kill an elk this year. It's gonna happen. Maybe one, maybe two. I'm gonna hunt out of state this year, so that's my own little personal thing. Josh, you can take that out of the video because that's just for my listeners here. But anyways, <laughs> my personal prediction for myself. Um, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for being here. That's my predictions. Check out the Patreon. Check out all our sponsors, Element and Cured. And always, always, always keep your head on straight. We'll see you next time. Love you. Bye-bye.